Chapter Twenty Five of the Precipice. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Precipice by Elia Wilkinson Peaty. Chapter Twenty Five. Kate slept lightly that night. She had gone to bed with a sense of gentle happiness, which arose from the furtive conviction that she was going to surrender to Ray and to his point of view. He could take all the responsibility if he liked, and she would follow the old instinct of woman and let the causes of righteousness with which she had allied herself contrive to get along without her. It was nothing, she told herself, but sheer egotism for her to suppose that she was necessary to their prosperity. She half awoke many times, and each time she had a vague, sweet longing, which refused to resolve itself into definite shape. But when the full morning came, she knew it was Ray she wanted. She couldn't wait out the long week he had prescribed as a season of fasting and prayer before she gave her answer, and she was shamelessly glad when her superior, over there at the settlement house, informed her that she would be required to go to a dance hall at South Chicago that night, a terrible place which might well have been called the girl trap. This gave Kate a legitimate excuse to ask for Ray's company, because he had besought her not to go to such places at night without his escort. "'But ought I to be seeing you?' he asked over the telephone in answer to her request. "'Wouldn't it be better for my cause if I stayed away?' In spite of the fact that he laughed, she knew he was quite in earnest, and she wondered why he hadn't discerned her compliant mood from her intonations. "'But I had to mind you, hadn't I?' she sent back. You said I mustn't go to such places without you. From her tone, she might have been the most betendrilled feminine vine that ever wrapped a self-satisfied masculine oak. Oh, I'll come, he answered. Of course I'll come. You knew you had only to give me the chance. He was on time, impeccable as always, in appearance. Kate was glad that he was as tall as she she knew down in her inner consciousness that they made a fine appearance together that they stepped off gallantly it came to her that perhaps they were to be envied and that they weren't or at least that she wasn't giving their good fortune its full valuation she told him about her dinner with the fitzgeralds and about the opera but she held back her discovery so to speak of the baby and the episode of Marna's wistful tears when she heard the music, and her amazing volte face at remembering the baby's feeding time. She would have loved to spin out the story to him. She would have deepened the colors just enough to make it all very telling. But she wasn't willing to give away the reason for her changed mood. It was enough, after all, that he was aware of it, and that when he drew her hand within his arm, he held it in a clasp that asserted his right to keep it. They were happy to be in each other's company again. Kate had to admit it. For the moment, it seemed to both of them that it didn't matter much where they went so long as they could go together. They rode out to South Chicago in the ill-smelling South Deering cars, crowded with men and women with foreign faces. One of them trod on Kate's foot with his hobnailed shoe, and gave an inarticulate grunt by way of apology. "'He's crushed it, hasn't he?' asked Ray anxiously, seeing the tears spring to her eyes. "'What a brute!' "'Oh, it was an accident,' Kate protested. "'Anyone might have done it.' 
but anyone except the unspeakable honeyack would have done more than grunt i dare say he doesn't know english kate insisted he'll probably remember the incident longer and be sorrier about it than some who would have been able to make graceful apologies not he declared ray don't you think it bless me kate why you prefer these people to any others passes my comprehension can't you leave these people to work out their own salvation which to my notion is the only way they ever can get it and content yourself with your own kind in class not variety enough retorted kate feeling her tenderness evaporate and her tantalizing mood her usual one when she was with ray come back don't i know just what you for example are going to think and say about any given circumstances don't i know your enthusiasms and reactions as if i'd invented em well i know yours too but that's because i love you not because you're like everybody else i wish you were rather more like other women kate i'd have an easier time if we were married said kate with that cheerful directness which showed how her sentimentality had taken flight you'd never give up till you'd made me precisely like mrs brown mrs smith and mrs johnson men fall in love with women because they're different from other women and then put in the first years of their married life trying to make them like everybody else i've noticed however that when they've finished the job they're so bored with the result that they go and look up another different woman oh i know he couldn't say what he wished in reply because the car filled up just then with a party of young people bound for a dance in russell square it always made kate's heart glow to think of things like that of what the city was trying to do for its people these young people came from small comfortable homes quite capacious enough for happiness and self-respect but not large enough for a dance very well all that was needed was a simple request for the use of the field-house and they could have at their disposal a fine airy hall well warmed and lighted with an excellent floor charming decorations and a room where they might prepare their refreshments all they had to pay for was the music proper chaperonage was required and the hall closed at midnight kate descanted on the beauties of the system till ray yawned think how different it is at the dance-hall where we are going she went on not heeding his disinclination for the subject they'll keep it up till dawn and drink between every dance there's not a party of the kind the whole winter through that doesn't see the steps of some young girl set toward destruction oh i can't see why it isn't stopped if women had the management of things it would be i can tell you it would take about one day to do it that's one of the reasons why the liquor men combine to kill suffrage said ray they know it will be a sorry day for them when the women get in positively the women seem to think that's all there is to politics some moral question and the whole truth is they do a lot of damage to business with their slapdash methods as they've learned to their cost when they found their pin money being cut down they'd sing another tune for they're the most reckless spenders in the world american women are they're the purchasing agents for the most extravagant nation in the world if you like kate replied men seem to think that shopping is a mere feminine diversion 
they forget that it's what supports their business and supplies their homes not to speak of any place beyond our own town think of the labor involved in buying food and clothing for the two million and a half human beings here in chicago it's no joke i assure you joke echoed ray a good deal of the shopping i've seen at my father's store seems to me to come under the head of vice the look i've seen on some of those faces it was ravaging greed nothing less why we had a sale the other day of cheap jewelry salesman samples and the women swarmed and snatched and glared like savages i declare when i saw them like that so indecently eager for their trumpery ornaments i said to myself that you'd only to scratch the civilized woman to get at the squaw any day kate kept a leash on her tongue she supposed it was inevitable that they should get back to the old quarrel deep down in ray she felt was an unconquerable contempt for women he made an exception of her because he loved her because she drew him with mysterious sex attraction it was that and not any sense of spiritual or intellectual approval of her which made him set her apart as worthy of admiration and of his devoted service if ever their lives were joined she would be his treasure to be kept close in his personal casket with the key to the golden padlock in his pocket and he would all but say his prayers to her but all that would not keep him from openly discountenancing her judgment before people she could imagine him putting off a suggestion of hers with that patient married tone which husbands assume when they discover too much independent cerebration on the part of their wives i couldn't stand that she inwardly declared as she let him think that he was assisting her from the car if any man ever used that patient tone to me i'd murder him she couldn't keep back her sardonic chuckle what are you laughing at he asked irritatedly at the mad world master she answered where is this dance hall he demanded as if he suspected her of concealing it the tone was precisely the married one she had been imagining and she burst out a laugh that made him stop and visibly wrap his dignity about him nothing was more evident than that he thought her silly but as she paused too standing beneath the street lamp and he saw her with her nonchalant tilt of her head the handsome head poised on her strong erect body her force and value were so impressed upon him that he had to retract but she was provoking no getting around that at that moment another sound than laughter cut the air a terrible sound the shriek of a tortured child it rang out three times in quick succession and kate's blood curdled oh oh she gasped she's being beaten come ray mix up in a family mess and get slugged for my pains not i but i'll call a policeman if you say oh it might be too late i'm a policeman you know get the patrol wagon if you like but i can't stand that once more that agonized scream kate flashed from him into the mesh of mean homes standing three deep in each yard flanking each other with only a narrow passage between and was lost to him he couldn't see where she had gone but he knew that he must follow 
he fell down a short flight of steps that led from the street to the lower level of the yard and groped forward he could hear people running and when a large woman draping her wrapper around her floundered out of a basement door near him he followed her she seemed to know where to go a squalid drama from the same actors evidently had been played before mid-length of the buildings the woman turned up some stairs and came to a long hall which divided the front and rear stairs at the end of it a light was burning and kate's voice was ringing out like that of an officer excoriating his delinquent troops i'm glad you can't speak english he heard her say for if you could i'd say things i'm sorry for i'd shrivel you up you great brute if you've got the devil in you can't you take it out on someone else beside a little child you're her father aren't you she has no mother i suppose well you're under arrest do you understand tell him some of you who can talk english he's to sit in that chair and never move from it till the patrol wagon comes i shall care for the child myself and she'll be placed where he can't treat her like that again poor little thing thank you that's a good woman just hold her a while and comfort her i can see you've children of your own ray found the courage at length to peer above the heads of the others in that miserable crowded room the dark faces of weary men and women heavy with old-world inherited woe showed in the gloom the short shaking man in the chair dully contrite for his spasm of rage was cringing before kate who stood there amazingly tall among these low-statured beings never had she looked to ray so like an eagle so keen so fierce so fit for braving either sun or tenebrous cavern she dominated them all had them who only partly understood what she said at her command she had thrown back her cloak and the star of the juvenile court officer which she wore carried meaning to them though perhaps it had not needed that ray tried to think her theatrical to be angry at her but the chagrin of knowing that she had forgotten him and was not caring about his opinion scourged his criticisms back she had lifted from the floor the stick with its leathern thong with which the man had castigated the tender body of his motherless child she held it in her hand looking at it with the angry aversion that she might have turned upon a venomous serpent then slowly with unspeakable rebuke she swung her gaze upon the wretch in the chair for a moment she silently accused him then he dropped his head in his hands and sobbed he seemed in his voiceless way to say that he too had been castigated by a million invisible thongs held in a dead man's hand and that his soul like his child's body was hideous with welts kate turned to ray is the patrol wagon on its way she inquired i-i didn't call it he stammered please do she said simply he went out of the room silently raging and was grateful that one of the men followed to show him the patrol box he waited outside for the wagon to come and when the officers brought out the shaking prisoner he saw kate with them carrying the child in her arms i must go to the station she said to ray in a matter-of-fact tone that put him far away from her 
so I'll say good night. It wouldn't be pleasant for you to ride in the wagon, you know. It'll be quite all right. One of the officers will see me safe home. Anyway, I shall have to go to the dance hall before the evening's over. Kate, he protested. Oh, I know, she said to him, apart, softly, while the others concerned themselves with assisting the blubbering honeyac into the wagon. You think it isn't nice of me to be going around like this, saving babies from beatings and young girls from much worse. You think it isn't ladylike. But it's what the coming lady is either going to do or see done. It's a new idea, you understand, Ray. Quite different from the squaw idea, isn't it? Good night. An officer stood at the door of the wagon waiting for her. He touched his hat and smiled at her in a comradely fashion, and she responded with as courteous a bow as she ever had made to Ray. The wagon drove off. "'I've been given my answer,' said Ray aloud. He wondered if he were more relieved or disappointed at the outcome. But really he could neither feel nor think reasonably. He went home in a tumult, dismayed at his own sufferings, and in no condition to realize that the old ideas and the new were at death grips in his consciousness. End of chapter 25